Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. There's something about becoming a grandparent. Sometimes even grandparents can't explain the joy, love, and intensity of the emotions that surface with grandchildren. We'll be talking today about all of that with Paul Gallant, a man who, with his wife, made the bonding process a mission and an international one of that. A book titled A Grand Journey, The Unexpected Story of the Gallant Family, chronicles that mission as told to former Post-Dispatch reporter, editor, and now writing coach and author Dick Weiss. Paul Gallant's with me in studio. Dick joins us by phone. Paul, welcome to the studio. Thank you. And Dick, welcome by phone. Thank you. Good to be on. Let me, uh, let me start with you, Dick. Um, can you give me the, uh, a one-paragraph explanation of what this story is all about? Well, this is uh, Paul and Deanne Gallant's uh, book about how over, oh, what, uh, 30 years, they bonded uh, with their grandchildren in a very interesting way uh, with two of them uh, taking them around the world and with another, uh, with her granddaughter, kind of keeping track of her as she went on her own uh, journey, uh, mostly around uh, around the country going. I'm, I'm sorry, Paul. What, what? No, Dick is right. <laughs> it's a 35-year run here. 35 years. How did it all get started, Paul? Well, if we talk about granddaughter number one, or the grandchild number one, our daughter was married and divorced, and we raised the first granddaughter from age 2 to 14, and that was kind of some issues. Okay, That's Melissa? That was Melissa, and Dick met Melissa, and Dick really kind of helped change her life. I mean, I give Dick a lot of credit. It was really a catharsis for her in maybe helping redirect her energies. Uh, By that time, by 14, somewhere in there, we had two grandsons. Mm -hmm. And Melissa, when she lived with us, we traveled the United States. You know, it's a Disney World, Disneyland, typical parental thing, but this was with a grandchild. And she went to live with her dad here in St. Louis. So the grandsons are then born from our son and daughter-in-law. And at the age of six, one being six, one being nine, we decided that we would try a journey. And it was really a Hanukkah gift because, as you know, Hanukkah, you run every night for eight nights. You bring presents. And fortunately, my son and daughter-in-law always made a wonderful income and could buy anything. So at the age of six and nine, we decided to take them on a trip, okay? Uh-huh. Where'd we go? We went to Cancun, one of those typical packages, seven days, X number of nights. It was wonderful. Yeah, the kids were terrific. We bonded. They ate everything they wanted to eat. Yeah, we were grandparents. We didn't care if they ate ice cream for breakfast. Nothing mattered. So when we got back, and this is all over the Christmas break for school, we got back, they both said, so where next year? Well, here we you have a whole year. So during the year, my wife, who had a great advertising agency in her day, pretty creative, began to put some thought to it. And year two, age seven and ten, and this would be 1999, uh, we went to New York. And we did the typical kids thing in New York. Coincidentally, our son had a master's in tax from NYU so we could show where he lived and we had been to New York so many times, we did everything for the kids. Uh, Ellis Island, the Statue of Liberty, da da da. They had a blast. They'll come back. Where next? <laughs> so the, the where next takes a year, you know, to the where next. 
So where next was, okay, let's do something exotic. Now, meanwhile, our son and daughter-in-law loved it. I mean, they had a free Christmas break. My daughter-in-law taught school. You know, everything was good. So where next? Okay. So where next became, okay, London and Paris. So it was five days in London, five days in Paris. Each one, you know, kind of fulfilling a dream. Places that we had been, my wife and I had been, but never been there with a youngster now, 7 and 10, 8 and 11, and all kinds of very interesting issues come up. You know, one gets sick, how do you deal with it? One doesn't get sick, how do you deal with it? Rain, poor. In fact, one of the funny things, we're in London, and it's Christmas Eve, and everything is, of course, closed, except the pubs. We look at our pub, and the Rams are playing New Orleans, and it's live. So the older one said, Papa, Papa, let's go inside. You can't go into a pub. Give them money, give them money, <laughs> and we can get in. Well, obviously that didn't work. So then the next year comes around, and you know now this is really becoming something that they're looking forward to, we're looking forward to. My wife is creating puzzles and creating crossword puzzles and other kinds of puzzles. And during the year, they get various little hints and we begin to figure it out. So Costa Rica became next. And each time, you know, it became a little more creative with no idea where the whole thing was going to lead. This was just a year-to-year thing. Meanwhile, I'm working, and, you know, we get through it. So we do Costa Rica. So where next? Oh, my goodness gracious, where next? So the boys knew that I was stationed in Germany in the mid 50s after college, we all were drafted, and I flew home to get married, and they always wanted to see where we lived. So this was a trip to Nuremberg, Germany. Mm. You know, very, was, very symbolic for a Jewish family. Oh, my God. I can tell you this, too. Yeah. When Deanne and I were there in 56, 56, 57, they have a building called, today it's there, too. It's called the Palace of Justice. And the Palace of Justice looks just like the city hall that we have in St. Louis. It's very gothic-looking, you know, brownstone, redstone. However, all the courts were in it. So the whole municipality was in this complex. So the army rented a room for Jewish services. So for us to go to Jewish services on a Friday night, we had to pass the court where mm-hmm. the trials were held. Mm-hmm. So you talk about introduction. It's 1956, you know, just a few years after the war, 10 years after the trials. So anyway, we take the boys back, and we show them Nuremberg. We show them where we lived. We introduced them to the grandson of our landlord who was there. And then on in to Austria, Italy, we skied down some mountains. And this really began to create bonding. You know? And we loved it. You know, where else could grandparents really have 10 days, two weeks, all to themselves? And, you know, the boys had their room. We had our room. And these experiences just manifest themselves into relationships. Let, let's, let yeah. me interrupt for just sure. a moment to get Dick into the conversation here. We'll get on to right. some of the other right. places that you visited. But, Dick, I want to point out that you're, you're a grandfather, are you not? Yes, I am. Got, got two. Okay. Well, Tell me what you learned about the grandparenting thing by doing the research for this book. And I, I gather from just listening to Paul here that you didn't have to work too hard at getting the narrative. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
He's quite a storyteller, raconteur. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's some. It's sometimes uh, I wasn't doing so much uh, writing as I was just transcribing. But uh, I mean, what I learned from Paul, uh, and what I guess it was uh, inspirational in, in some ways. I mean, uh, one thing is uh, obviously when you're um, taking your kids, uh, your grandkids to Europe. I mean, that, that's quite cost quite a bit of money, and not everybody's going to be able to relate to that. Uh, but uh, what it is is that they were all in with their grandkids, uh, and what they were. Uh, Grandparenting goes in a lot of different directions, but uh, it, sometimes grandparents are, well, I, I want to take the grandkids uh, with me uh, to do what I want, and, uh, you know, maybe they can learn from that. But what they did was they really listened to their grandkids and, and thought about, well, what is it that they want? What is it that they would enjoy? What, what, where would they like to go? And I find that uh, I had that in my own family, um, the uh a grandma to my uh, kids was just like that. And I had another grandma that was a little bit more like, I'll take you with me where, you know, where I want to go. So they had both experiences. I, I'm not being uh, judgmental there. It's just the different styles. And uh, the, the gallants were great listeners um, in terms of their, their grandkids. Paul, did you go any place with the kids that you really didn't want to go but decided to do so because of, yeah. that's what the kids wanted? A- 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 absolutely. And that was South Africa for a safari. I was never a lover of animals. I never loved going to the zoo. It happened to be one of the finest trips we ever could have had because you're out there. You're looking at the big five, the various uh, animals. You're out in the middle of nowhere. The cell phones don't work, which was really kind of a – Kind of, one is working right now. Yeah. We better shut, <laughs> yeah. better shut we got, off. We got to shut that baby up. Uh, but um, yeah, th- that that was a trip that was never in my dreams. So yeah, that that was truly an outstanding trip. You're, and you're you, all seven continents you visited during yeah, the, well, these well, years. Yeah. What ha- what happened? And then we're going to get on to Melissa because Melissa's yeah, a well, story sure. unto herself. We're yeah. in Australia. And, uh, you know, that was probably, that was continent number five. And uh, we told the boys that, okay, next year we're going to take their parents. And there was dismay. But we had to take them to go to Israel. Because my daughter-in-law had never been to Israel. We had been there a number of times. Then we did South Africa. While we are in South Africa, we always had a wrap-up. The night before we left, my wife would sit down with a quiz. What's your favorite thing? What's your favorite trip? Okay. And the older one said, Papa, Grammy, it's over. It's over. I'm going to Vanderbilt. I'm going to start college. She's 18 years old. And I'm going to come home for the Christmas holidays. Da, da, da. So four years go by while he went through Vanderbilt. And there was never a talk of another trip. And frankly, I don't think we thought of being on six continents with one more to go. The little one, in the February of the year my grandson graduates Vanderbilt, calls me from Mizzou. Papa, only been to six continents. What's wrong with number seven? <laughs> Next day we booked it. So that's how we did Antarctica. And, Antarctica, and, yeah. and then the journey. You know, that's the journey. The grand journey. It's over. 
We did all seven continents. And it is over. I mean, you haven't done anything since. No, Not no one thing. Yeah. I play golf with each one of them. That's it. That, well, that's terrific. So yeah. the, the relationship continues strong Absolutely. as ever. I've got to take a break. Yeah. We'll do that now. We're talking uh, with Paul Gallant and uh, Dick Weiss. We're talking about the, the, the grandparenting bonding that the, the Gallants did with their grandsons. We'll come back and talk about the granddaughter. That's a little bit uh, of a different story. And then I want to talk about grandparenting in general and uh, why grandparents are are the way they are. Back in just a moment, this is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening to this St. Louis on the Air podcast supported by University College at Washington University with undergraduate and graduate programs part-time evening and online. University College at Washington University offering world-class education within reach. And welcome back to our discussion about grandparents and grandparenting. Uh, Paul, Melissa was a different story. Melissa had, had some problems as a young granddaughter. Right. And, and the summation of today is really you never give up. You have a vested love okay, for your kids and your grandkids. No matter what their journeys are, if they're good people, you've got to stay with the journey. And Dick knows this really, really well in interviewing Melissa. So Melissa at 14 left us. We gave her a very comfortable life. We thought we gave her a comfortable Mm -hmm. life. Went to live with her dad here in St. Louis. And they had all kinds of issues. She's thrown out of high school and wound up kind of living on the street. And called me when she was 18, 19 years old. And we kind of lost contact with her. And she said, Papa, I need help. Okay, I got her an apartment, we got her a car, she got a job, okay, kind of straightened her life up. And I said, one thing you have to do, you have to get the GED. You must get the GED, and if you don't get that, in 120 days, the whole thing collapses. So there was a timeline, which she did. And she continued to live in this apartment, that apartment, that, and it disappeared for three, four years on the road. Heard from her once or twice, basically in jail, okay? mm. and are in a motel. Her dad would hear from her, and we'd be in touch. And maybe every six months between us, we'd have a call. After three or four years, I get a call again. She's home. She's back with her dad. I need help. So I go talk to her. And she had some legal issues which were solvable. So I had to certainly hire the better defense attorney. Mm which I did. Yeah, we got through the issues. It took a while. You know, loss of a driver's license, a little of this, a little of that. And she went to live on a farm that her dad had. After a number of years, and we were in contact. We'd see her. We'd talk. All this time you're making these trips with the, her half-brothers, right? No, no, with, with her cousins. Oh, cousins. With her cousins, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. The whole time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so then I get a call Actually, I come back from running on a Saturday, and there's a call, and it's from her, and she says, Papa, I'm going to go to the University of Missouri. Mm-hmm. Goes down on Monday with her dad. She's enrolled on Wednesday. She winds up graduating magna cum laude. Wow. And really straightens herself up, has a boyfriend, and now has our great-grandchild. Oh. So Dick really helped her through some of this, and but you never give up. Dick, how did you do that? How did you help? 
Well, I, I should tell you, uh, initially, uh, when we uh, started doing this book, uh, I didn't even know about Melissa. Uh, we were just going to do a story, story about um, uh, the boys, and uh, I could sort of compare the, the boys to, like, uh, Wally and the Beaver. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Melissa was like uh, Janis Joplin. And um, and I said, uh, I, I said, Paul, if we have a problem with this, is that the, these, these trips with the boys uh, went too well. Uh, there, there was not too much drama going on here. And he said, well, you want drama? You should talk to my granddaughter, <laughs> yeah. Melissa. You sure gave <laughs> yeah. you a, a narrative, yeah. Yeah, and then I, then I come to see that she'd been on a, a journey of her own. I mean, I like the journey as a, as a metaphor, uh, but it's also literally true. She traveled all over the country, uh, uh, sometimes hitchhiking, sometimes hopping on trains. And she would tell me how she did that. I mean, uh, you uh, you know, you kind of sneak into a rail yard and you got this this booklet that tells you uh, that uh, people in the rail yard use to know where the trains are going. And she got one of those. And, I mean, she was a very smart, creative person, but um, a little bit, you know, unmoored. Uh, in, for part of her life. So, uh, you know, we got to talking about this, uh, uh, Melissa and me. And, uh, I don't know, we did probably the three or four uh, several-hour interviews. And, uh, yeah, maybe it was a little bit of um, therapy for her. Mm-hmm. I mean, that sometimes happens when you, when you uh, deal with people and help them tell their stories. But I think she just had a lot in her that she'd never really shared uh, with anybody, you know, at least all at once. It's a it's a great story. I mean, it really adds uh, a lot of substance and 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 muscle. It puts some yeah. meat on on that bone, if you will. Um, I want to take some calls, but before we yeah. do that, what's the status of the boys now? I mean, where are they? And the only one is a dentist having a very very large dental practice, which he just bought, mm-hmm. and he's twenty eight. Melissa lives with her boyfriend down on a little farm outside of Columbia yeah. with a great grandson. She's doing good. And the younger one is in the real estate business. So right. the three of them are all matured well, flourishing well. Yeah. Will they follow, do you think, the example you set for them when uh, when they become grandparents? I really think so. Yeah, look, they've traveled the world, and on their own they've traveled. Yeah. So I think they see the wanderlust, and I think they see the love that transcends generations. That, yeah, that, that, That's so important. And that's what this is really really all about. Let's, uh, let's get some of the uh, listeners into it. We'll start with Shelley calling from Sunset Hills. Shelley, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Hi, how are you? Great, how are you? Um, I, I'm well, thank you. So I always, my mom, um, I have two children, um, 21 and 16, and um, my mom, when I was raising them, would always be like, oh, I wasn't a good mom, and you didn't have everything, and I always told her, I said, you just wait. The measure of you as a parent is how your grandkids turn out. And, you know, your grandkids are amazing, and I helped do that. <laughs> and and you helped me do that. So, um, you know, parents that are really hard on themselves, just wait for your grandparents, and then you get to see how well of a parent you did. Shelley, thanks so much for the call. You know, this is kind of what I'm getting at. I, I don't know any grandparents that aren't transformed, Paul, by the grandkids. Right. Something happens when the grandkids come along. How do you explain that? Well, one, you don't have a responsibility for parenting 
which we had with Melissa. So that was you know, an anomaly unto itself. And it's unconditional love. And you're not with them that much. So you don't really see the warts. You really don't see the flaws because yeah. they're on the best behavior. You're on the best behavior. So I think it's relatively easy to be a grandparent. There are different rules. Yeah. Plus, you're established. Dick, I'll, I'll get you to comment on this. Uh, the grandparent generally is, is old enough to be established and not being worried about the mortgage, perhaps, and not being worried about career. So those pressures are largely absent. Uh, yeah, I guess for uh, the lucky some of us, that's absolutely true. I, I love the expression that uh, grandchildren are, are your revenge on your children. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, I always like to say that with my grandkids, I've never they've never thrown any tantrums with me because we give them everything they want. <laughs> it's uh, easy. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Oreos for breakfast, yeah, sure, okay. no problem. Who cares? Ice what? cream anytime you want. But I think that uh, you know, it, it is. Just, I had no idea what a joy it is to have grandchildren. I, had, I didn't even anticipate that, and it's just uh, it's just such a sweet thing to have and. I think being, you know, uh, step one is just being present for them uh, and and uh, engaging with them and, you know, look, trying to look at the world through their eyes. I mean, you get a, you get another chance to do that. Uh, and then, uh, of course, uh, when you're done with that, you can just send them home. Yeah, that's uh, that's the, always the punchline with the grandparents. You know, Leslie Stahl, a CBS correspondent, wrote a book on grandparenting about a year ago. And, and we talked to her, and she investigated this phenomenon the way she would attack a news story. And she discovered that there's a hormonal change that takes place in grandparents when the grandchild is born, that it is exactly the same, same uh, hormonal balance that occurs when you fall in love. So that was, I thought that was an interesting yeah, that's, way, that, that, way that, to put it. That's good. Let's take a couple more calls as time allows. We'll start uh, secondarily with John calling from Florison. Go ahead, uh, John. You're on the air. Well, thanks, John, for the program. I'm a grandfather of twins. They're five years old, and my daughter wanted a child in her life. She got two. <laughs> and they live with me and my wife, and they're a joy, they're a pleasure. I tell people who have got grandchildren, I hope you enjoy them as much as I have. I have two older grandchildren, but uh, these are twins, a boy, girl, and they're deciding every day is a new day. The thrill of having them every day. John, thank so, you. you. You sound very much like a very typical grandparent, doesn't he, Paul? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Another call. Katie joins us from St. Louis. Go ahead, Katie. You're on the air. I thank you so much for taking my call. Um, sure. From the day I was born until the respective days six years ago when I delivered both of their eulogies, uh, my grandparents were my very best friends in the entire world. And um, a tradition that they developed to, that my family now carries on after they are now gone is Sunday family dinner. All of their six kids and many of their brothers and sisters and all the grandkids and neighbors and randoms would come over every Sunday for more than 30 years. Uh, for a big Italian dinner, my Irish grandma Kitty married my all Sicilian grandpa Joe, and learned the cooking secrets from his mother. And now my my mom, it's very important to her now that they're gone um, to carry on that tradition. We celebrate birthdays as a family. Everybody knows five o'clock Sunday. That's where you're going to be. And I think <laughs> it um, 
has kept the family together in a really special way. No doubt it has. Katie, thanks for the call. You know, she raises an important point, uh, Paul, and that is that uh, the younger people, the grandkids, can learn a lot from the older folks. They've been around for a while, and they know the score pretty much of the time. Well, and, and the beauty of spending concentrated periods of time is the family stories come out. So the boys and Melissa, who we raised, really understand the roots. They understand the grandparents coming from Russia. They understand that they couldn't speak English. So they have a whole history. Plus, they really get to know you. They get to know your work ethic, your morals, what you're all about. And you see little pieces of this that go into those grandkids, little pieces of it. Dick, we're going to have to wrap this up. Do you have a final thought about grandparenting you can give us? Yeah, I think uh, uh, Paul touched on it and your caller touched on it as well, is that grandparents are actually, uh, you know, the family, uh, in many ways, the family historians. And raising uh, good children, uh, I think, requires uh, their understanding of where they came from uh, and what their families are all about. It gives them something to live up to or uh, in some cases not to repeat, uh, but they're lessons that the grandparents share, and it doesn't have to be in an overbearing way, and you don't have to write a book, uh, but I think it's really important uh, for families that are privileged and also uh, extremely important uh, with families that are uh, have disadvantages. Uh, it, it's a way of tethering yourself to, uh, you know, finding a North Star in your life yeah. to know your family story. Yeah, I can attest to the fact that you have a lifetime of regret if you have not asked those questions, and then it becomes too late and you'll never get the answers. Right. That's, that's a very sad right. thing. I have to wrap it up. Paul Gallon, thank you so much thank for you, being here. You, you tell a great story, and you've got great grandkids, obviously, largely because of what you and your wife and, and their parents have so. done. Let's, let's hope, hope so. so. That's okay. good. Thank you for being with us. Dick Weiss, thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Don. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.